Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors on this Friday, December 1st edition of the show. It is a victory Friday as the ECU basketball team gets a massive win over the rival UNCW Seahawks. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. We've got conference championship weekend upcoming in college football. We'll make game picks as always there. We've got NFL talk. We'll get into the playoff race. Crazy game last night between the Seahawks and Cowboys that went deep into the night with the Cowboys winning. We'll talk about that and make our NFL picks as well. To do that, we've got Philip Hilkenton producing, and we've got our usual Friday guest, Joey Football. Joey, it's a football Friday. How you feeling going into the weekend? You know, I feel great. I'm, I'm sporting my purple. You see you won last night in the purple out. You're wearing Seahawk blue, though. So I, I want to know, did you lose a bet? I mean, what, what's the deal here? We're painting it purple on a Friday. We got the win last night against a huge in-state opponent. You're over here wearing Seahawk blue. I do have to clarify this is this is technically Seahawk teal, <laughs> but it is also Seattle Mariners teal. Okay, all right. And as a Mariners fan, that That's is really fair. why I That's rock fair. the shirt, and it also uh, has twenty four seven sports across the chest, and they are no no my no dispute of the logo employer. <laughs> so just but, hey, get crazy game one. last night, man. Yeah, that was a that was a fun game. Yeah, I mean, Caleb LeCount looked great. Uh, he had 11 points off the bench. I mean, he played probably the most minutes he's played this season for sure. But I, I want to say even dating back to last season when he was the true point guard. Um, like teams, yeah, definitely like seeing him and Bobby playing in the sets like that, especially in the backcourt with those two. They can go so many different ways, either the pick and roll with like Brandon at the stretch four, or they can kind of play on the wing a little bit and let Bobby play back and facilitate. It looked good. Is this Joey basketball talking? That's that's what Kaysen said. That's, that's what Casey yep. said. He said, I'm now Joey Basketball. Crossover season's upon us. So, who knows? Crow's Nest up in uh, 213, <laughs> Media Row, for Crow's those Nest. unfamiliar. We, we had multiple guests stop by and say, hey, we did during the game. And they're like, why are you guys sitting up here? That's where the media gets to sit for the ECU home games. But uh, it was electric, man. And so, uh, really looking forward to that. So, we'll talk more about the basketball game here in a second. First, Want to uh, let's go to the live line and we're going to welcome on Henry Hinton and we're going to do this to recognize a great cause as Pitt County Operation Santa Claus is in its 35th year of operation. And Henry Hinton, talk of the town, was out there this morning at Great Harvest Bread Company, uh, op- or operating uh, things for a great cause there, raising a bunch of money uh, for kids and toys in the area. So, Henry, give us an update. How's it going over at Great Harvest this hey. morning? Hey guys, how are you? Uh, we're still at Great Harvest. We're going to be here till three o'clock, and uh, it's been it's been quite a morning. Uh, we have raised a lot of cash. There are a lot of toys and uh, and and coats for kids here today. Uh, at the moment, we stand uh, in terms of the amount of money raised forty five thousand three hundred and seventy dollars, um, and that's. That's about where we were at this point last year. We finished last year at about 55000 We got uh, three more hours. Things usually pick up a little bit during the lunch hour. So if you're listening and uh, haven't had lunch, come by here and have a sandwich at Great Harvest with us or 
just stop by and uh, and leave a donation. No, no amount is too small. We've had five dollar donations. We've had fifteen thousand dollar donations this morning. So it's been it's been a pretty amazing day. Uh, a lot of folks have come in and wanted to help other people at Christmas time. So uh, we'll be here till three o'clock. Hope to see a lot of folks. We had Coach Houston in this morning, by the way, and uh, John Gilbert. Both were in here, and um, Gilbert was here and uh, had a good chat about last night's big basketball win. That was quite something, wasn't it? Yeah, great win for the Pirates, man, and they needed it with the way the season started. And Henry, I did want to ask: Did you get any scoop? When's the When's the new offensive coordinator going to be announced? You had the head coach in the building, so you had to get that well, scoop, I had, right? I, I had I had an on the record and an off the record conversation with Houston this morning. We talked about you actually. Oh yeah, I, I, I said this on the air. I'm like, I don't know how I go gets all his information, and uh, Houston laughed at that and said, uh, "Yeah, he's got." He's got tentacles everywhere. He said sometimes he gets it wrong and sometimes he gets it right. But I said he gets it right most of the time. <laughs> I told him I bugged the office, and uh, that's how I get all the oh, information. That's what, but, that's what he said. He said, I yeah. think he bugged my office. That's what he said. Uh, that's yeah, what we got to uh, do. He's interviewing somebody today. I don't know. You probably know. But uh, he didn't give me any names, and I didn't press him on it. But he did say that he thought – that we'd have an offensive coordinator this weekend. And I asked him when he thought he'd make an announcement, and he said uh, he said probably Monday. What are you hearing? Yeah, I think, you know, I think they may have a guy in place by this weekend, but the announcement may be delayed till Monday just with the weekend and everything. But I, I think they want to make a decision by Saturday, Sunday, the latest, because they hit the road recruiting this weekend as a staff. Sunday, Coach Houston's actually – expected to be on the road so i think they're trying to make it sooner than later henry so it's uh it's crazy you got to move fast but you also got to get the right guy and i know they're doing some in-depth interviews but yeah good candidates in this week and i think today is is maybe the final initial interview list who do you think it's going to be you got a favorite uh yeah i mean john david baker from old miss is a guy who they've definitely interviewed and Chad Morris is the other name, you know, that I think is interviewing today. The former head coach, of course, at uh, Arkansas and also at SMU. He's got a lot more experience, but I, th- you know, I-, I tend to think it'll be one of those two guys. They've also interviewed somebody from Ohio State on the assistant staff, but I guess it's just a gut feel thing and who the who the staff thinks is the right way to go. But it'll it'll be interesting. I do like the candidate list, at least the guys I know about. Maybe there's somebody I don't know about if I got something wrong, but I feel pretty good, at least that's the uh the initial pool. Why would a guy leave Ole Miss as offensive coordinator and come here? Well, he's the co O C there. He's third in line. Technically, if you like, Plain Kiffin's the head coach, so he's probably involved in play calling because he's got an offensive background. You got Charlie Weiss Jr., who's the other co-offensive coordinator. So even though he's got the co-OC title, he's probably not calling it, and he's making good money, but he may want to be in charge here. So 33 years old, he may be ready to take that leap to try and move up the coaching ladder, so to speak, and you know get a bigger, bigger job down the line as well. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. I just picked, I just picked up a little something online that I had not seen before about – what's going on in Chapel Hill. Bob, my buddy Bob Lee is reporting that there is now a power struggle at Chapel Hill between Bubba Cunningham and Mac Brown. You heard that? I have not heard that. I've heard that there's some, I guess I'd heard some, you know, some, some talk that 
some people want to see Mac Brown retire. Uh, obviously, Mac may want to continue on. I think maybe that leads to that power struggle where they're trying to push him out. But that's interesting. So that's uh, I guess that I guess we'll have to see how that plays out, Henry. I'll send you uh, I'll send you the article from uh, Art Chansky, who's reporting that uh, all sorts of things going on in Chapel Hill. The chancellor may go to Michigan State, and wow. uh, Bubba Cunningham wants Mac to retire, and Mac won't retire. That's what it looks to me like. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, I have to check that out. That's that's crazy. Well, you never know yeah. in college athletics, man. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Well, All right, well Henry, hey, thanks uh, for giving me a little time yeah. here on uh, on the radiothon. Uh, we're going to be here till 3 o'clock, and uh, we'd love to have some folks come by and donate. Thank you, Stephen. Absolutely. There's Henry Hinton. Check him out. Uh, great Harvest Bread Company. Interbanks Media doing some great things over there partnering with the uh, local Salvation Army. Again, all the funds raised will be used to buy Christmas toys and gifts for underprivileged children in the area through the local Salvation Army chapter. Check them out. They'll be at Great Harvest Bread Company through 3 o'clock at the corner of Evans Street and Plaza Drive. All right, Joey Football, we're back. Sorry for, you know, the Big Hen had to cut into no. your time there. but I, I will always be bumped for the Big Hen. That, that is how it should be. The Hall of Famer. Deserves airtime. I do not. How about the power struggle there? Apparently, I, I'll be honest. I've not read about this, but uh, that's interesting coming out of Chapel Hill. Not a surprise, though. No, not a surprise. Uh, a lot of speculation, but we kind of felt that way. And not we, but like people kind of felt that way when you saw all these people getting into the portal and Longo leaving last year. I think was a lot more of an effect than people realized. And then the Gene Chizik hire, and obviously they didn't do the things they were supposed to do this year. So. There have been some reports, a little bit of talk just around the water cooler, so to speak, that maybe Mac Brown's time is done. Him hiring Chiswick was kind of a showing of uh, giving his old friend a job as opposed to going and getting the best candidate to try and build a what should have been college football playoff caliber team. You've got what was a Heisman hopeful, probably a top five pick for sure, if not the number one pick playing at quarterback. You've had countless other weapons that came through. I mean, you had Sam Howell. Sam Howell underachieved. You had Josh Downs. You had Deami Brown. You had all these different guys. You had Michael Carter in the backfield at one point. You had Javante Williams. You've had all this talent, and the most you've done is get to the Orange Bowl against Texas A&M in one of those kind of, not COVID years, but COVID aftermaths. So it gets difficult to kind of put a thumb on it, but there's definitely some reports that maybe Max time is up. So we'll continue to follow that situation. Uh, Michael Jones on YouTube says, great basketball win. We'll talk about that more in a second here, Joey. Uh, Michael wants to talk about how it appears Joey football is more married to bad 1980s offense than Mike Houston appears to be based off his offensive coordinator candidate list. What do you have to say in response to that? Okay. First <laughs> off, I want everyone to know. I'm a huge proponent of the air raid. I think the air raid was revolutionary when it came into the game. I think the forward pass and the usage of vertical plays, such as screens, sticks, comebacks, all those different things playing off that, and then how you've looked at it over the years. I mean, when Kellen Winslow was first coming into the league, they had a literal route tree. One was a hitch, a nine was a go, and so on and so forth. Evens breaking in, odds breaking out. We have evolved so far in any of the games, and we'll talk about it with these three different coordinators. I mean, you've got... 
Smash Mouth spreads. You've got true nasty sets. You've got Air Raid. You've got what Josh Heupel and the Garden of Web coach have now started to kind of coin with Gus Malzahn, where it's a lot more horizontal throws that basically is your vertical runs because of where the ball gets out in space. Um, I wouldn't say I'm married to the 1980s form of football, but there is two things in football that always will remain. That's running the run, or stopping the run and starting the run. You have to run the football if you want to win. And if you don't believe me, look at what happened to the Rams when they played the Patriots in the Super Bowl and they lost 13 to 3. And then go back and look at the greatest show on turf who really didn't get it done. And yes, they had Dickerson, but he really wasn't a focal point until the year after that. And that's where one of the greatest offenses that we've seen in our generation really started to hit those marks is when they started to run the football more effectively. So I wouldn't say I'm married to the 1980s set of offense, but I do think running the football is a tale as old as the pigskin itself. And you look at Ole Miss, and again, with John David Baker being in the mix, for the position, Ole Miss is electric offensively, but they also rank in the top five, top ten in rushing offense every year. They use a ton of motion, a ton of misdirection, and they do some power runs out of that you know shotgun spread formation. So you can be physical and you can run the football while also being creative. So there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just how can you be the most effective way to do it. And certainly whatever coordinator gets hired, you have to figure out who can build the offense the fastest. Because really, I mean, next year is a huge year for ECU football. you got to be able to put a good offense on the field right away. So it'll be interesting to see what direction the Pirates go in there. All right, let's get back to the, the basketball game last night, Joey football. And – I'll be honest, when I heard that Ezra Saar was not going to play, I mm-hmm. predicted ECU to win on the pregame show with Casey Romali yesterday when we had our show uh, previewing the game. When Ezra was ruled out, I said, there's no way the Pirates win this game. In the first half, when Brandon Johnson, when R.J. Felton were in foul trouble, I was like, this is going to get ugly. But despite all that, finding a way to win in that fashion, huge kudos to the crowd for helping the Pirates overcome those issues. Uh, and I think keeping ECU in the game, but Mike Schwartz said the best total team win. What does that do for this this ball club moving forward, learning how to win in that fashion? I think the first thing it does is it takes that bad taste out of your mouth when you went up to George Mason and you faced a very good team that shot, I think it was 64% total in the game, and you lose by double digits. You bounce back, and especially with how things transpired last year when you went to UNCW and that game kind of played out you know that this team has an identity. We saw the defense last night. We, we were talking all about it in the first couple games. This doesn't seem like the defensive monster that we've been promised and, and preaching. We saw the defense. And granted, UNCW missed a lot of three-pointers and a lot of open attempts, but you could tell they were rattled by the shifts, by the zone. I, I mean, at one point, they went to it where Brandon Johnson was playing at the top of the key as like the true one in a 1-3 zone, and it was terrifying to look at. You had Bayala playing underneath it, and then you had Sear at one point, and he had the goaltending call, but that's what he does is he's a rim protector, so he does those different things. But you're starting to see the identity of this basketball team take shape, and you saw how Schwartz talked about how the win was handled and what it meant for the Pirates, especially after all the things that transpired. And then Bobby speaking on it, he was like, we are just getting started. Like This is, this is who we are. We will show it as we get later on down the lines. This is a great win to pick up to start yourself off before you get into the conference play, especially opening against FAU. And Joe, isn't this what college sports is all about, man? We, we get so far away from 
playing these types of games, whether it's basketball, but certainly in football, where you just have lost the regional rivalry feel and being in Menji's last night and being at UNCW last year, even though ECU didn't win, things didn't go well. Like to me, like that's why I grew up wanting to get in this business, the, the regional rivalries, being able to talk trash to your friends, being able to relate to somebody you know that follows the program you're playing against not playing Rams schools in Texas. Like, this is what it's all about, man. And, and games like last night are what they're all about. And so it, it just – it takes me back to that, you know, growing up, seeing regional games being played. And that's why I think this game should be played every year. And honestly, man, it's, it's, it's what sports should be like last, like last night, not when you're playing some random teams that nobody cares about on either side. Yeah, I, I mean, no disrespect to this one, but, like, schools like Ferrum – where is Ferrum? Yes, I know it's in Virginia, but like the point is that's not a regional rivalry that gets ECU excited. I mean, when you play South Carolina, yes, that's still regional, but it's not the in-state rival you're hoping for. That's not you playing UNCG. That's not you going to play UNC Asheville. It's not you going to App State. You want those local games, especially because most of the time at these smaller mid-majors, and we're an exception right now because of the international reaches we have because of Coach Schwartz. You get the kids who are local. You get the ones that fell through the cracks from Raleigh. You get the ones that were on these AAU teams but played with these guys who know these guys. Three players last night were from Raleigh alone. I know two of them personally. And then you have number two who was actually from Winterville, played at South Central with the Jeremy Lewis team that went on that unbelievable run. These are the local kids who are now getting a chance. And you had Bobby. Bobby's from the 919. These are local kids who have known each other forever. It's, it's an unbelievable respect thing to kind of face off against these guys and, and get to have those bragging rights. So you play a little harder, you do a little more tape dive, you try and find something a little bit more on the film to react to. And you could see it last night. This game meant a lot to ECU. Casey Romaley has jumped into the YouTube comments section. Oh. He says, public apology, please. Yep, it's time. Uh, he is, I opened he up is referencing. It. He is referencing myself. And um, I'd like to take this opportunity to apologize <laughs> to Caleb LeCount, better known as K1. K1. Only from now K1, on K1. He put up 11 points, fifth time in his career going double figures. Uh, tremendous game from Caleb Account. Look, I'm a big fan of Caleb Account, the person. Tremendous interview. He was excellent post game. I just at times, you know, he, he's a smaller guard, so I'm like, you want to be a defensive team. You're playing a five, you know, seven, five, six guard. I just question it at times. But last night, Caleb Account defended well, shot well, major contributor to the victory. Hopefully that gives him some confidence moving forward because if he can score and, and be, you know, the kind of that annoying pest defending the ball that he can be, then he can play. And I think he can be a really good player for this team. But, you know, we got to see that more often like last night. So public apology is out there. Caleb account, continue to prove me wrong. K1, you've done it your whole life. Let's keep it rolling. All right. Uh, checking more comments. Wow, this is an interesting one. Shakawat Hassan is in the uh, the YouTube comments. This has got to be some sort of bot. He says, hello, dear. I was analyzing your YouTube channel, 94.3 The Game. Below, we found your channel issue. No video-related tags, no channel tags, video optimization, not good, 100% not video SEO. Philip, you're our producer, man. What are we doing? Uh, I don't know, man. Michael just tells Shaka me what to White do, and I do it. Up. That's going to be my I, – I really just know about sports, not technology. We're, uh, we're all just trying Shaka to fake it here. Made. Yeah, we're faking it until we make it, to be honest. I ain't afraid to admit it either. 
Shakawat Hassan. We'll try to we'll try to figure that out. Thanks, dear. All right, let's uh, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll make our picks. We'll start with college football conference championship weekend. We'll get into that. On the other side, this is Hoist the Colors on a Friday. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. Yes, that was so good. 194.3, the game. Welcome back in. Hoist the Colors, Friday, December 1st edition of the show. All right, we're going to make our college picks here shortly. It's conference championship week, so we'll do that here in a minute. Uh, first off, few more comments. Kaysen on YouTube says Joe is now 2-0. He is no longer Joey Football. He is now Joey Hoops. Yeah, you've seen a uh, beyond half-court heave I have. to beat Kennesaw State and a win Hand over UNCW. So, yeah, you need to keep coming to basketball. <laughs> Too bad he's you got class Monday? on Monday. Yeah. Oh, we wow. lose on oh, Monday. No. Pirates will lose Sorry, to Schwartz. Maryland Eastern Shore. Sorry, Schwartz. Uh, John Decker Golf Instruction, he says, based on the body of work you have seen with our basketball team so far, do we think this year's team will get to 20 wins? I'll be honest, John, I still need to see more. And I need to see more consistency. I'm at like 15 to 16 right now, probably. Last night was a good win. How do you follow it up? Do you take care of business versus Maryland Eastern Shore? What's the status of Ezra? What's the status of Cam Hayes? If Cam Hayes gets back, if you can keep Ezra... If you can keep Brandon healthy and keep RJ healthy, then maybe yeah. this team can get the 20, but they still have a lot of things to prove. I don't love the depth on this team, but if they can defend like last night, I'll give them a shot, Joey. Yeah, I agree. Um, Bobby's going to play a lot of minutes. I mean, he played, I think, 34 last night. How's his hamstring going to hold up? We, we've heard that all summer, once he got healthy, he'd be fine. Does that start to play a role a little bit as you get into the dog days of December, early January, before you make that late run towards conference and everything like that? Uh, the Ezra thing concerns me. If you don't have Ezra, you're missing a lot of length. You're missing a true four, so Brandon can play in the five or to put him on a three and like a stretch forward kind of thing. I love the way he can shoot the ball. I love the way he drives. Without him, you're kind of missing a huge thing. And, and Valentino did a great job with his five-minute spurt trying to fill that void. You saw Bayala get a lot more time to try and fill that void, but it was clear offensively you were missing Ezra, even as a decoy or the chance to run him in the screens with uh, Bobby or with K1, as we have now dubbed him. You can tell they're missing Ezra. So without him, my expectations drop a little bit, but with him, they skyrocket. Yeah, we'll see how that goes going forward. Ask Schwartz after the game. What's the timeline, if any? He said no idea. Uh, I, I'm thinking he's got an idea. He just doesn't want to tell us. Yeah, I mean, we, but, uh, we didn't even get an injury de- designation from him. He was just like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, and they don't have to tell us. So no, if I was a coach, I wouldn't tell the media either. I wouldn't tell the media anything. Why would you tell us anything? When it comes to injuries. Nothing. All right, let's get into our picks, fellas. Uh, Philip, is this list updated, our overall records? Yeah, I, I did it during the call with Henry. There we go. All right, there we go. So here you go. We've been making NFL college picks all year. We will start with college, but first, here's our look back at the season thus far. Last week, we were all were terrible in college picks. I went two and four. Joe and Philip each went one and five in the NFL. Philip and I went four and one. Joe went one and four. And Joe. After surging back near 500, has now slipped back to 57, 69, and 6. Mom is too big. Steve, 
Yeah, it's just it's tough to make up that hole and keep it going. Uh, I'm sitting at 64, 62, and 6, so just a couple games over 500. Philip Pilkington continues to kill us, 71, 55, and 6. Now, I do want to say he does tally these numbers each week. What are the chances he's uh, giving himself a few free wins every now and then? I have noticed, though, sometimes stuff is adding up, and I do have to go back and, like, okay, I, this didn't get typed in right. So I've had to double check a few times. Stop. There's a conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, here I am. You know what? Invalid. You can do whatever conspiracy you want. There There's you collusion. Go. There you There's go. There's collusion. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You guys you guys have access to edit this thing, too, and you know how to look up scores on ESPN.com, so so don't come at me, bro. Figure it out yourself. I just, uh, I'm going to take all one right. day sometime soon and replay all the videos of our picks and go back and verify, make sure this is 100% accurate. Just super cut it. I guarantee you I'll, f- I'll find at least one miss, probably. but probably not 15 uh, to make up the difference. All right, guys, it is championship weekend, and that means championship Friday with the Pac-12, Pac-8, Pac-2, whatever it's called. I don't know. But we do have Oregon and Washington, the rematch tonight. We will start there. Oregon is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. And I'm going to tell you all right now, Washington is going to at least keep this close, and I'm going to go with the Huskies. I'm not even going to think twice. I know Oregon's probably the better team. Yeah, they could blow Washington out, but I'm going Washington to cover. I think it'll be another really good game. Uh, with uh, We'll see who pulls it out, but I think Washington keeps it close. Joe, what do you think? Uh, this is Bo Nick's Heisman moment. I just threw up in my mouth saying that. I think it belongs to Jaden Daniels, but I think it's going to wind up with Bo Nix, and it starts tonight. I think him beating this Washington team and, and getting a chance to get revenge and out-dueling Michael Penix puts him in a really good driver's seat to win it. Give me the Ducks. You dub. No way this is a two-score game. Dude, I didn't know that we had the uh, the Philip. Yeah, we cam got the producer going. cam today. All right, there we go. We got the three <laughs> cam system. Uh, love it. All right, so UW and uh, UW gets Philip and I's pick. Joe is on the Nashad Strother Ducks fighting Nashad Struthers. Oklahoma State in Texas going at it. Texas is a fifteen and a half point favorite. Guys, that is a huge number. I, I do have to say, though, I'm not a fan of this Oklahoma State football team. But if you're giving me 15 and a half in a conference championship game, I'm going Okie State, and I'm not going to think twice. And I'm going to guess, Joe, by going horns down, you are going against Texas as well. I watched this Texas team suck against an Oklahoma team that lost to Oklahoma State. I stand by my statement. Quinn Ewers is going to look like a shell of himself. Some way, somehow, Mike Gundy is going to pull something – out of that mullet of his and find a way to beat Texas. Texas will get knocked out of playoff contention. No conversation about it. Horns down. Give me Oklahoma State. All right, this is bad, but I was trying to get the triple shot set up. So Joe picked the Cowboys. I go, who'd you pick? He also picked the I Cowboys. I went with the Cowboys. Yeah, yep. this game's closer than that. 15 so. and a half is insane. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Cowboys. I don't think this is a, a three-score game. It never is in the Big Twelve Championship. No, it is. I mean, it, it never. You is. know, it, I mean, is each team going to score three times? Yes, they'll probably each score three times in a quarter. Yeah, <laughs> there's no. It defense. might be fifty-two to forty-nine, but it ain't going to be a sixteen-point game. No shot. I got bad noise. Bad, bad, no- bad noises and bad news, guys. We are all on Oklahoma State, and we're all on Oklahoma State confidently. I'm going to say that that's Texas rolls all day Crud. Uh, to a conference championship. So, Great. Right. Texas is making the playoff. You heard it here first. There you go. 
the the possible game of the week. It's got to be the game of the week, right? Georgia, Alabama, maybe outside of Oregon, Washington. It's got to be. Georgia is the five-point favorite oh. as they take on the Crimson Tide. I don't know what this game means. I tell you what, the college football playoff scenarios are crazy, but either way, Bama's got to win just to give themselves a shot to get in. <sighs> I don't know what to do here, I'm guys. So I am I'm so torn. I tell you what, let's go, Philip. You look somewhat confident, Philip. So yeah, we're gonna go, start go with ahead, Philip. Go dogs. <sighs> that didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want some actual analysis? Is that what you wanted? Okay, you want some analysis is that Bama has finally got it figured out, but I still just don't think they're the level of team of Georgia this year. 1-85, to Georgia's the better team. I could see Bama only losing this one by a field goal with the five-point spread. I'm not extremely confident in picking Georgia, but I could see this easily being a 7-10 to point game. I think it's entertaining all the way to the end. I'm excited for 4 o'clock tomorrow, I believe, is the time of this kickoff. Yeah. I mean, I should be promoting the American Athletic Conference Championship game, but let's be honest, the college football playoff is what matters. We play the game to win national championships and uh, schmew nor two lanes winning in Natty. So I'm watching this at 4 o'clock uh, while catching the end of the Duke basketball game and uh, give me the dogs. I didn't have... Um, all right, I'm going to go Bama here. I don't know yeah, why. I just got a gut feeling Bama wins. I got Joe. a gut feeling about it. Anytime Nick Saban is sitting as the underdog... I'm absolutely terrified. Um, I think this Kirby Smart team is probably the least prepared of any of the Georgia teams. Thank you, Kirby. Yeah, go ahead and put me on the bulletin board. Clearly, you care about my opinion. I watched them play Mizzou. I wasn't overly impressed. I watched them struggle a little bit against Georgia Tech in the first run of it. I wasn't overly impressed. I think if Jalen Milrow shows up the way he did against Auburn, you have a shot. You need him to play the way he does. You need the defense to play the way they've been playing. I like the Tide. All right, SMU and Tulane, the American Conference Championship in New Orleans on Tulane's home field. I think SMU is the better team, but I'm going Tulane here because I have a conspiracy theory. I think the American does everything it can to help its top teams make the uh, continue to be ranked and make the, the New Year's Six Bowl. That way the conference looks that much better. Tulane's DBs get away with as much holding as anybody I've ever seen, and they get fans and pass interference calls, as we saw in Daddy Fickham Stadium. So I'm going Tulane. They find a way to win. Joe. Can I pick both of these teams to lose? I mean, you're gonna you're yes. just going to get a, a, a loss by default in the things, but I don't care. You can if you won't. No, no, no. Uh, I think SMU wins it. I like Preston Stone, especially against what Tulane's been doing. This is not the Tulane of old where they can sit back and play cover three with great corner play. Yes, they hold a lot, but I also think that Preston Stone will get the ball out in front, and I don't know if any of those Tulane DBs can run with SMU's receivers. We saw that firsthand, unfortunately, in person. Give me Smoo, the future American Conference winners and ACC losers. I have no idea what a green wave is, but I know those little ponies are going to drown in whatever green wave is. Give me Tulane at home. There we go. I go space. There we go. <laughs> Great call. Uh, Tulane. And all right, we wrap it up, guys, with another game that I have no idea what to do. Louisville and Florida State. You don't Florida know State, do? the one-and-a-half-point favorite. You don't know what to do? Yeah. Anson Belton Buckle, lock of the week. (laughs) Louisville, it's not close. 
especially with reports that Florida State's quarterback could be out from a concussion after targeting against Florida. This is the time for Louisville to answer the call. They just dropped a bad one to Mark Stoops, not Texas A&M. The Kentucky Wildcats want to make sure we clarify that. This is the time that Louisville bounces back. I believe in the get-back game, this is the time for them to do it. FSU gets knocked out of playoff contention. Chaos unfolds. Louisville market L1C4. Louisville first, cards for life. Steve Ellis. Ow. Uh, Philip, you go. I'll go. Uh, I think I called the Knowles posers at the beginning of the year. I've ate those words all year long, but it finally comes to fruition. Can't really call them posers, I guess, when their QB's out. But I think the Cardinals are gritty. They've played it tough. They've won a lot of tough road games this year. Uh, obviously, it's a neutral side game. I get that. But they know how to win away from home. I like the Cardinals. Where's this game at, Charlotte? Yep. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, guys. I have more interest in the American Championship. I have more interest in the Mountain West Championship than this football game. I just don't care to watch Florida State's backup quarterback and Louisville go at it. I'm going to go with FSU. I mean, they found ways to win, so this I'm going to go with them. why they're getting rid of divisions I, in the ACC. I hope, they, I hope they lose just so we don't have to see a watered-down FSU team in the playoff because uh, I don't think they can win without Travis, but – Look, you got to give them credit. They've had a great season. They found ways to win, and I think they do it again here to uh, to win the ACC title and wrap up their special season and college football playoff berth. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll transition. We'll go to NFL. We'll talk playoff picture. We'll talk picks as well on the NFL side. We'll talk about the crappy Panthers once again to wrap up the week with Philip Pilkington and Joe Sampson. We'll talk about the Jets. Is Aaron Rodgers going to be back? We'll discuss all that and more. This is Hoist the Colors on a Friday. All right, let's go. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steve and Ico. Think of me, Aussie Joe Ho. On 94.3, the game. Welcome in. Hoist the Colors. On a Friday, a football Friday, we talked basketball earlier. We also had Henry Hinton join the show. Again, check them out. Pitt County, Operation Santa Claus, 35th year over at Great Harvest. Bread Company, go stop by, get lunch, and donate some toys, some gifts for underprivileged children in the area. That will last till 3 o'clock for the Radiothon over for Operation Santa Claus at Great Harvest Bread Company. Okay, we just made our college picks. We are now going to transition to the National Football League. And let's get an updated playoff picture look because y'all want to know who's in the playoff race? Uh, the Eagles, the 49ers. Uh. Are the Panthers in there? Technically, yes. Technically, Technically yes. That That's a fun scenario. So I'm looking at the NFL playoff picture, and if you look on NFL.com, it does have the Panthers listed. Yeah, they're, they're in still the in the hunt. We're also technically still in the hunt somehow. We're in the graphic. The Jets are 15th in the AFC, but they're in the hunt. We're the in the hunt. The Panthers are 16th in the NFC. That is the last, and they're in the hunt. But that's what Until you're officially fun, eliminated, guys. Yeah. If the Panthers win out and the Falcons and Saints lose every game from here on out and the Buccaneers beat the Falcons twice, the Panthers host a home playoff game and win the NFC South. 
seems completely plausible. I mean, they've been I so no reason why it close happen. all year. I've actually yeah. seen a weirder scenario. There was a couple years ago, there was somebody was one in something at this point in the season, and they needed like 42 games down the stretch to go their way, including two teams to tie. Newsflash, it didn't happen. I only remember the team was. I want to say it might have been the Lions. It was like the first year without Stafford. Like golf got hurt or something. Yeah, I think, you're, and I think I know what you're talking about. It was yeah. bad. That t- the two teams didn't tie, by the way. And no, the yeah, other 42 that, games went their way. But, that was know. the um, that was last year because they needed the two teams to tie and one team won. And that's why if the Packers would have beat the Lions, the Packers were in. Oh, no, this was – you're right. That was at the end of the year. There was that Oh, you're talking about scenario. And the, previous. You know, this was like you. early December. This team could still make the playoff at like 1-10, in 10, but like 42 games over the next five weeks had to go their way. Interesting. Including a random tie like at like weeks 15. Yeah. Sounds like an AFC South thing. Yeah, it does. <laughs> All right, quick playoff picture uh, look. The Ravens are suddenly the top seed in the AFC. Now, there are six teams on by this week, so there's yeah. a, a lot less on the schedule. A lot of um, shuffling. They, the Ravens. Yeah, the Ravens are one of those. Uh, the Chiefs and Jaguars and Dolphins are all a half game behind them at 8-3. and three. Then you got the Steelers and the Browns both at 7-4. and four. Does anybody actually believe the Steelers and Browns are a legit threat to like make a run in the playoffs with the quarterback situation? Browns, no. yes. Steelers, no. Wait, Browns, you think with DTR? You think DTR? Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Dude, we live with in a different era than we did 23 years ago. Time. If you hold teams to 13 and you score 14, you win games. Joe Flacco ain't scoring 14. Hey, man. Joe Flacco. He's elite. And he's a Super Bowl MVP. Former New York Jets legend Joe Flacco. I hate his guts. I look at the second tier of the AFC. Like I think Ravens, <laughs> Chiefs, Jags, Dolphins all legit. Bad. I, and like it's bad, man. Like, it's like Steelers, Browns, and Colts are bad. Honestly, Texans, the Texans, Steelers. Broncos, and Bills could yeah. might you know could maybe make a run. The Raiders they actually have quarterbacks. I think are technically still in it too. If they went out, I mean, it's its own its own problem. Aiden O'Connell could mess. be a playoff quarterback. They might technically still be in it, but oh, I go just I go just one way. Oh, wow. there he is, uh, Joe. You nor I can name the Raiders quarterback at this point in the season. They Aiden O'Connell, they're out. Yeah, Purdue legend, him and his mustache, because they benched the seventy-five million dollar man, Jimmy Garoppolo. And then quickly in the NFC, Eagles, Niners, Lions, I think are legit. The Cowboys are legit in a wild card spot currently. But nobody's, you know, the Falcons, Vikings, Seahawks, Packers, Rams, like the rest of these teams are just not good. So Falcons suck. I don't know. Not a lot of intrigue there. All right, let's get to our picks. Uh, that way we've got time to, to discuss these games. Falcons, speaking of suck, uh, Falcons at Jets, complete suck matchup, but we got to pick it because the Jets are Joey's team and we got to pick our teams. Sorry, Joe. No, it's fair. Uh, the, Tim Boyle. The Falcons – are a two-point favorite on the road. God, this game is disgusting. Uh, I have no interest in picking this game. We're watching it. And uh, uh, no, give me the Jets. It pains me to say it. <laughs> Just give it to me. Uh, Philip, you go, and then we'll wrap it up with Joe. Um, yeah, kind of in the same boat as you are. But when I was doing my picks yesterday. I picked the Jets. The Jets are two-point dogs. That means they're going to cover if they went out right. So I'll take the Jets. Take us home, Joey. I go make sure your volume's down in your headset so I don't blow your eardrums out. Good people of the surrounding area, 
of both Greenville, New Bern, Washington, and the tri-state area. You know the last time the New York Jets had a favored team come in that was a bird from the NFC? I'll remind you it was this season with their top two cornerbacks out, by the way. Jalen Hurts, the MVP frontrunner, looked like the Jalen Hurts from his rookie year that couldn't throw a ball past 10 yards. We do the same thing to the DoorDash driver, Desmond Ritter, or the career backup, Tyler Heineke. B. John Robinson gets the ball twice the entire game. Kyle Pitts still hasn't had a touchdown on American soil that wasn't in Atlanta. And Drake London looks like Drake London was at USC with two catches for 15 yards. Give me the New York football Jets. Two things you said wrong with that statement. Yeah, go ahead. A, it's Taylor Heineke, not Tyler. B, Apologies. your crappy field has no soil on it. It's turf yeah, and it needs no to be soil. ripped up. So, That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. American ground. There you go. All right. Uh, we're all on the Jets. Another scary proposition. Kill me. Uh, but, and as you can see, Rogers A-Rod? is back. There's hope. Hope at the end of the tunnel. Discount double check. Discount double What's check. What's the point of him even coming back if the Jets are going to keep losing games? Tim Boyle's going to go but on a run. To We're going to be in the hunt. We're going to be fighting for that wild card spot. He's going to come out. He's going to beat the Dolphins in like week 16, become a New York hero, and we get bounced in the first round because we have no O line. You heard it here first. All right, we'll see if that comes to fruition. All right, guys, Broncos-Texans, this is a massive game in the AFC in the wild card implications. Both teams are 6-5. and five. Denver has won five in a row after their one and five starts. I actually like how Denver matches up here because they are a pass defense and the Texans can't run the football, but I just worry this is going to come to an end, this run, and I think it comes to an end this week. I'm going against my Broncos. I'm going Texans. I'm hope I'm doing the reverse jinx. But give me Houston at home. And uh, Joey, what do you think? I appreciate your objectivity. I think the Broncos are the better football team. I was high on the Texans last week. They were exposed in a lot of different facets. I think D'Amico has a lot to learn as far as second half adjustment goes at the head coaching level, uh, understanding those ins and outs and how you have to look at both sides of the ball. So I do like the Broncos here. I think Peyton's a more experienced play caller. I think he'll have some answers for what D'Amico likes to do defensively. And you hit it right on the head. They can't run the football. And when you've got guys like they do – on the Denver D-line who can stop the run. It's going to be a long day for the Texans and C.J. Stroud. Unfortunately, I'm in the same boat as I do. All good things must come to an end. I have a bad feeling about this. Give me the Texans. That's what I said last week, this, and they got blown out by the Jags. This starts three straight road games for Denver. If they can win this one, I think they make the playoffs ultimately, but a huge game. Um, all right, Panthers at Bucks. I, I mean, Bucks by five uh, is the line. I'm going Bucks. Panthers suck, uh, Joe. The Bucks also suck. But Baker Mayfield revenge game, I think I have to give it to Baker. Baker's a solid quarterback. The only time yeah. he's not been a solid quarterback is when Matt Rule misused him, tried to turn him into a West Coast quarterback. That was he's dumb. ticked off that that almost ruined his career, and he blows the Panthers out. The Niners are a three-point favorite at Philly. I sent you all a graphic earlier. What is this, the first time since 1970 a team 10-1 at home is an underdog, a home dog? Uh, I'm going Eagles here all day. I like the Niners, but I know this has been a brutal stretch for Philly. They keep finding ways. They're just a, a team that finds ways to win. I think they do that again at home. Give me Philly. Joe? I hate Jalen Hurts. I hate everything Jalen Hurts is about. I hate how perfect Jalen Hurts is. This is the Brock Purdy revenge game. 
I'm standing by it. Give me the 49ers. After what occurred last year in the NFC Championship, I think they come out with a fire and they answer the call to people trying to say that they are not the best team in football right now. Give me the 49ers. Well, you're going to look like an idiot because my Anson Belt and Buckle lock of the week is the Philadelphia Eagles. When Philly is doubted, they win. Okay? We were not supposed to to sign the Declaration of Independence in Philadelphia, but we did, and we beat the Brits. Rocky wasn't supposed to make it out of the first round with Apollo Creed, but he did, and now the Eagles are dogs at home, and they will win. Anson Belt and Buckle Lock of the Week. All right, our final pick. I just realized I don't have an Anson Belt and Buckle Lock of the Week, so I'm about to make one up during our final break. Uh, Chiefs at Packers. Chiefs are a six-point favorite, and... Chiefs have been weird this year, but I think they – you know what? Give me the Packers. I don't know why. Give me the Packers at home to cover six on Sunday Night Football. I think Chiefs win, but close game, Joe. No Taylor Swift in Lambeau. Too cold. Give me the Packers. I agree on the Sunday Night Football thing. I think this is when we see Jordan Love kind of show up. I do think Andy Reid has an answer for him, but I don't think that the Chiefs can rise to this kind of pressure. I think they're kind of an easy street on – cruise control so to speak the afc west is all but wrapped up unfortunately for your broncos sake they're fighting for wild card not necessarily for the division they're gonna keep it going from here but their eyes are on lombardi not on lambo give me His, the packers history does not repeat itself because in 2011 the packers were undefeated lost to kc a couple years ago kc was really good packers were bad but the packers won uh history doesn't repeat itself this time kc takes care of business wins it by two touchdowns all right, there's your picks. we got to get our final break in. We'll come back. I'll figure out my Anson Bell and Buckle lock of the week, and we'll discuss that more, wrap up the show. Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back into the show. We're wrapping things up on this Friday edition of Hoist the Colors. Been a fun football edition. Joey Football with us. Philip Pilkington is producing. All right, they've given you your Anson Belt and Buckle Locks of the Week. Now i got to give mine. Big Ten football, baby. Michigan, Iowa. We didn't pick this game because it's an awful football game. And I'm going to tell you right now, Iowa will not score a touchdown. Anson Belt and Buckle Lock of the Week, three points or less. Iowa will fail to even enter the red zone as they will lose to Michigan big. It is my Anson Belt and Buckle Lock of the Week. Iowa stinks, and Michigan is going to expose them for even more. Great defensively, terrible offensively. So, I have a question. What's your, what's your Anson Belt and Buckle? Is it that they won't enter the red zone or they won't score three? Because I'm going to laugh if it's they won't Both. score more than three and they end up with five because they get a safety. They're like uh, they, 15 they will, other games, and we picked Iowa. And, Anson Belt and Buckle Lock of the Week is Iowa will not score a touchdown and they will not enter the red zone. Okay, so if they get six safeties, you're, you're, it still hits. Yes, correct. There you go, guys. Anson Belt Buckle, are you game day ready? Visit AnsonBelt.com backslash ECU. Check out their great collection of holist belts, including ECU officially licensed buckles. Anson Belt and Buckle, the official belt of ECU Athletics. They just donated $10,000 to the ECU NIL Fund. Buy some belts right now. Right, Joy Football? I have an Anson Belt and Buckle, but of all the games, there is literally the last Pac-12 matchup of all time, and you took Iowa points? 
Hey, he can belt and buckle yeah. lock of the week, whoever the heck he wants. We picked the Pac-12 game, okay? You, you had a chance to look back. Shut up, Joe. That's right. I, I just, <sighs> thank you for having my back. As soon as we right, turn we, to punts as our point total, we have lost. We got to get out of here. See you on Monday. With your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a re-